Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, that's me, ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. This is the Ion Travel Podcast with CBS News Travel Editor Peter Greenberg. Hi everybody, Peter Greenberg here with another edition of the Ion Travel Podcast. This week from London, the site of the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. Celebrating 70 years on the throne, 70 years of service, and a monarchy that continues. We were there for the events, the parades, the performances, and of course, to witness the Queen's appearances on the balcony at Buckingham Palace. First, with a news update, one of my regular guests, the senior travel editor for The Independent, Simon Calder. And as thousands of visitors poured into London for the Jubilee, and many more coming for their vacation, where was Simon? Like many other smart travelers, he left town, but that didn't stop him from calling in with a frontline report. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. How are you, Simon? <laughs> well, the funny thing is, Peter, uh, that I would be um, celebrating this weekend with you in London, and I live about seven minutes walk from the fantastic location that you are in today. So, um, sorry, I can't be there, but I'm making the most of uh, another celebration, which is the most extraordinary public transport, public transit rail deal uh, in history. Um, I'm talking to you from uh, northern Germany, where I have traveled the length of the country for a total of nine euros, that's about 10 bucks, uh, and that covers 
all trains apart from the fastest expresses, plus your trams, uh, your trolleys, uh, streetcars, um, buses at the underground, the subway system, and even in Hamburg, um, some river ferries. So it's a, an astonishing deal. That's not just for one day. That's for the whole of the month of June. So a bit of a celebration here in Germany, too. Wow, you know, when it's that cheap in Germany, you know, you don't have to wait for Oktoberfest. Just you know, save all that money you got from the train and go have a couple of beers. It's great, but but let's talk about what, what let, let's talk about what's happening. But let's talk about what's happening this weekend here in London. Four days of celebration honoring seventy years on the throne, the longest serving monarch in our history, uh, Queen Elizabeth. Um, what do you make of it? Oh, well, look, it's the only thing we've got left, I think. Um, God bless Her Majesty, and uh, may she continue to uh, reign over us for years to come. Of course, like so many British people, I know you've been talking to a lot, Peter, um, uh, you you would have to be, by definition, over 70 to have lived um, uh, under any other monarch. Uh, she's been a huge uh, credit to us. But we do we do that, um, uh, that pomp uh, pretty well, and... Uh, thank goodness we do, because it means that we get uh, great people coming to visit us. And, well, I'm just really, really concerned about the collapse of tourism to the UK, because it doesn't just mean that we can welcome people. It has very important economic impacts and also social impacts. We, we get to meet great people coming here. But also um, the fact that uh, tourists are in London, we hope, means that we've got great shows in the West End. We've got... Uh, fantastic restaurants, all kinds of facilities which are partly dependent on tourists coming in. So tourism, huge force for good, but uh, the UK not looking great at the moment. Um, we've had a pretty awful uh, pandemic uh, numbers uh, last summer down to just 14% of uh, a normal year, and we've got a long way to go. So thank you very much indeed, Peter, for coming over. Happy to do it. But, you know, nobody does funerals better than the Brits, and nobody does, you know, pomp and circumstance with, with royal celebrations better than the Brits. I cannot walk more than about 30 feet without seeing a parade of British flags, roses, flowers, uh, people lining the bridges, uh, lining the, the way to the, to the palace, all waiting for the ceremony. Yes, and it, I guess it is just heritage coming to life. I mean, it's just uh, a number of people would say 21st century still to have a hereditary monarch is... Um, a little bit odd, but um, I think uh, we are uh, generally in favour of the royal family who keep kind of keep us on the, I was going to say the straight and narrow, they do their best. Um, if you've got some temporary politicians coming and going, then to have a, uh, a monarch who is uh, who is steering through the rest of it, I think is a, a great thing. And it adds a, an extra dimension, some extra colour, some extra gossip, of course to our lives and so I think uh, yeah, they, they, they're, they're pretty good value the royals most of them well you just said most of them so let's talk about that since you've opened that door you know missing from the from the famous uh, Buckingham Palace balcony uh, Prince Harry and, and Meghan uh, Prince Andrew um, and that you know that, that's a conspicuous uh, you know that's a conspicuous absence oh, oh, oh it is and obviously two very very different uh, uh, cases that um, I'm not sure that uh, Prince Andrew, after the shocking revelations of his his conduct um, with, with uh, uh, very young women, uh, I don't think there's any way back for him. Um, Harry and Meghan is a different one. I mean, uh, as you all know, 
Um, royalty has an awful lot of showbiz to it. You know, it's part of the entertainment industry. Um, most definitely, uh, I think Harry and Meghan have moved into that space. And um, uh, clearly, as with any, um, you know, you can have creative differences when you are when you are uh, being a, um, a public figure uh, like that. Um, I think it's a, you know, any family busts up is a is is sad. It's a tragedy. I just hope that um, well that that, that uh, there can be a bit more warmth across the Atlantic. It's uh, you know sad to see uh, two two young people got so much to offer, uh, not actually being here in the UK where we desperately need them, along with many many other good people. All right. Well, that begs the question, Simon, and, and it is actually a travel question because it relates to travel and tourism. Can the monarchy can the monarchy remain relevant? Now, I think that all depends, right? So, so you can stop a hundred British people um, later on today and ask them, and ninety-nine at least, if not the four hundred, will just say, "Yes, we we love the Queen, and uh, uh, we 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 um, have the greatest respect for her." When very sadly she eventually passes, then uh, the royal family is going to take on a very different character, I think. And at that stage, but not so much in the UK, but certainly the uh, countries around the world where the, the Queen is still nominally head of state, I think they'll be having a good old look about um, uh, whether this is uh, still relevant. Um, because, well, as, as I said earlier, you know, 21st century, the idea that um, the person ultimately in charge of a country uh, should be there because um, of, of, of a kind of uh, genetic um, accident is, um, is, is odd. Um, and clearly, clearly in America, well, they do things on merit, I'd like to say. <laughs> well, each person for himself. But when, when it comes to the, 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 the British Empire, if you will, we're seeing a, num- a number of Commonwealth countries already starting to change. We just saw what happened in Barbados. We're seeing a movement in Australia, uh, maybe even in Canada. You know, where, where, you know, the Queen's still on, on the currency, too. Does, it, does she really have an impact anymore in those countries? Well, I, th- I think it is a little bit odd, as you will know. You, you, you cross the Rainbow Bridge, um, go to My- Niagara Falls, Canada, or you drive across um, uh, I-5 up into um, uh, Vancouver, and suddenly um, <laughs> the uh, local currency has the, carries the, the image of a wonderful woman who lives thousands of miles away. Um, yeah, it, it is a bit odd, I think. And um, I think, I, I think actually, it will be the Queen's sad passing, which it will trigger quite a number of uh, countries uh, thinking, well, you know, surely we, we need to be more independent of the old imperial power, um, which I, I absolutely respect. Um, I, 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 frankly, I can't see um, King Charles, as he will become, um, appearing on that many um, Canadian banknotes. I think that that might be the point at which lots of people say, right, enough, enough. Um, we're, we're, we're moving on now. Um, and uh, they will celebrate their own great people. Of course, of course, the Queen earlier in the year gave the official nod to Camilla to assume that role. Uh, well, of course. And this is, I, I think, a good thing. Oh, crikey. Um, uh, Prince Charles has been um, through so much uh, turmoil, of course, um, as uh, many families have, but not quite in the public eye in the same way as he has. I uh, had the Independent one day, and Charles and Camilla came to visit, and we were told very strictly, do not catch their eye. 
just sit and get on with your work. Um, but uh, as they were passing the travel desk, um, they, they did stop it. So, Simon, let's be honest. The monarchy is also a business. It's an industry uh, when it comes to travel and tourism. Uh, I, I, I joke, but it's not really a joke. I was here covering the uh, the marriage of William and Kate many years ago, and I, re- I, I just remarked that everywhere I went, everywhere I went, there were commemorative commemorative blankets, pillows, cups, plates, medallions, and every single one of them, when I turned them over, it said made in China. It, it was just, I, I had yeah. to laugh. And yet, you know what? I, I admit this, I actually bought a few. You know, because I was here. I, came, I, I experienced it. And the same thing is happening, you know, this weekend in London. Everybody is, is, uh, is buying stuff up. What significance does it really have, or is it just part of a, of a tourist machine that really supports financially now the budget of the monarchy? Oh, well, yes. Look, there are, as you will know, an awful lot of uh, people who are just really interested in the minutiae of the British monarchy, and they will travel to London, they'll buy their stuff. Um, I'm not sure if you went into the average um, Londoner's house, you'd find too many commemorative tea towels <laughs> and silver spoons and so on. Um, but there's a market for them. I, I, I think it's uh, well, I must tell regrettable. You, but Simon, they, I, I must tell yeah. you that my producer, Amanda, is so fanatic about royalty that I think her baggage is going to be declared overweight with all the stuff she's going to be buying over the next two days. It's a little scary. Well, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure um, when they know who she works with, that um, this will be applied. No, all that means is I have to pay for it. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> But 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 in all uh, yeah, well, that's great. But, but in all seriousness, Simon, I, I know so many countries in the past you know generated income from even posted stamps for people who collected stamps with had the sovereign's likeness or picture on it. I mean, it's nothing. This is nothing new. The question is, can they continue it? Uh, well, certainly, and um, we, we will we will see. I mean, the UK, as you know, has uh, uh, perhaps our greatest strength is, is, is culture, and that goes all the way across from uh, music and film to royalty. So I just hope we can keep keep changing and and, and keep hopefully leading uh, in in terms of culture, art, and music, and so on. Um, just as we we did, I seem to remember back in the in the nineteen sixties. We'll see. We'll see if that uh, can come back. But meanwhile, yeah, the, the uh, royals are providing a very uh, valuable service, I think, to us all. Um, and I, I, yeah, probably a generation or two, people will be looking back and thinking, royalty. What was all that about? I think we might have the new generation of um, of, of the royals, um, rather like they are just across the border from me in uh, Denmark, where you're quite likely to meet them at the supermarket, I understand. Oh, listen, if you take a look at the royal family in the Netherlands, the king, when he's not being king, is a pilot for KLM. He actually flies commuter flights for KLM, and nobody even knows, you know, the king's at the controls. I think that is absolutely fantastic uh, to be uh, doing a a very useful job, of course, a very important (laughs) job. Um, and um, it, it, it just shows that you know uh, these things are just ceremonial. It's like all the uh, that typically you know a mayor in a an American small town. They've got they've got the robes, they've got the chain, but ultimately they've got the keys. But ultimately, it's uh, just 
just a bit of uh, uh, ceremony while they get on with a, a proper job the rest of their time. By the way, I do have to give a shout-out to Prince Charles because he was always described so many years as being so aloof and so stiff. Not that long ago, he was doing an official visit to the British Broadcasting Corporation, the BBC, and, of course, they're on the air live, and he's walking by all the studios, and there's somebody inside, of course, as, as you would see in a, in a television studio, doing the weather. And somebody just said to him, hey, you want to come on and do the weather report? And he said, I'd love to. <laughs> and he, he actually went in there, and, and, and people sitting at home watching their tube, and said, here comes Prince Charles, and he's doing the weather. I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, unexpected and fun. Oh, I hadn't even heard that story, which shows that you are way ahead of me once again. Oh, that's, that's a lovely story. But, yeah, uh, I, I'm all in favor of the royals popping up in unusual circumstances and uh, showing that they are kind of one of us. <laughs> every once in a while, they are. I'm sure it's even a surprise to them. Uh, but every once in a while, when you do something spontaneous uh, like that, you, you know, it's not that you, you stop being a royal, but you start being a human and you get to relate to the to the public. Oh, certainly, yes. Um, but uh, well, the, the the of course royal patronage continues. We've had a, a new lot of um, uh, honours. Uh, this strange British custom of uh, having a whole system of graded uh, honours, so that uh, you know people are uh, given uh, knighthoods or damehoods or uh, all sorts of things. It's um. It's, it's a very odd thing to do. I think uh, the Americans have um, uh, much, much the better egalitarian idea where you know, you're a person, you're worth what you're worth, and that's it. And the fact that you, well, here you've got the letters before or after, or sometimes both, uh, both before and after your name. My thanks to Simon. When speaking about the royal family, so many Americans remain obsessed by the crown and what it represents. There have been countless books, biographies of the royals, and the queen in particular. And there are magazines that chronicle their every move, their lives, and their stories. I sat down with Ingrid Seward, the editor-in-chief of Majesty Magazine, for her take on the historic events. Graduation is a sweet occasion, but finding the perfect gift can be a bitter struggle. MMS.com has a solution personalized M&Ms. Just imagine the look on your grad's face when they receive a custom candy creation featuring their school's colors, name, and even their photo printed right on some M&Ms. It's a thoughtful way to celebrate their accomplishments and make the occasion even more special. Visit MMS.com to create your own personalized gifts and party favors for graduations, weddings, birthdays, and more. That's MMS.com. Use code WONDERY to receive 15% off your next order. Ingrid, thank you for, for joining us. It's my pleasure. So let's do a little history here. It's it's quite a, remarkable that we're celebrating Her Majesty's 70-year reign. I mean, who, who gets to say that anymore? Like, nobody. Well, nobody gets to say that. And we won't see another platinum jubilee. There won't be one ever, I don't think. Well, certainly there won't be one during your or my lifetime. And um, it's 70 years on the throne, which is most unusual. I mean, if you if you think forward, the, the Prince of Wales, Prince Charles, who will be our next king, um, he's already 73. So there's no way he's going to reign for, <laughs> for another, 70, another 70 years. And then you've got um, Prince William, his son, who is 40, 
well, he won't reign for 70 years either. So we're really looking, you know, way, way, way into the future if this should ever happen again. And of course, given the numbers that we're talking about, how old was the Queen Mother when she passed? She was 101. So there's a ways to go based on the lineage here. There certainly is. I mean, the Queen, uh, as well, when she was Princess Elizabeth, she became Queen in 1952. Uh, and that, and she was she was born in 26. She became queen in 1952. She was crowned in 1953. But she actually physically became queen the moment her father died. So that was 52. So we, you know, she was a very young woman in a, in a very much of a man's world. Oh, especially then, of course. Uh, but let's go back a ways. When was the last big celebration celebrating her reign? Well, the last big celebration, which people may remember, was the Diamond Jubilee. And I say that, you know, people in the U.S. may remember that because it, there was a river pageant. And the weather was like the coldest, wettest June day that anyone can remember. Except I think the Queen said it was just like this on Coronation Day. Sometimes in the, in the U.K., during June, you can get these freezing winter-type days. And I remember, because I was um, um, on, on a boat on the Thames, and I was wrapped up in a winter coat, and I was so glad I was. I think I was the only person that wasn't freezing to death. And speaking of longevity, speaking of that, for the last 30 years, you are the, you are the queen when it comes to talking about the queen, because you've been commenting on this basically most of your professional life. Well, not quite, but it does, <laughs> that does make me feel a bit old, actually. You're not quite most of my professional life, but for a long, long time, yes, I certainly have been commenting on it for a long time. And I used to, well, one of the first big thing, jobs I did was for CBS, actually, for CBS uh, TV. There you go. Well, we remember that. Uh, but here's my question. When we see the pomp and the circumstance, when we see the celebration, when we, we, uh, we, when we see essentially the trooping of the colors, what does that signify in the year 2022? Well, I think a lot of, there's a lot of apathy um, amongst the younger generation. But I think when, you know, when it, there's been a lot of build up to this Platinum Jubilee to try and get people to be enthusiastic, but because of the advent of social media, um, people can don't have to be there. They don't have to take part. They don't have to be there. They can be, you know, 5,000 miles away and still enjoy it uh, on television or streaming. So it, it will never be like it used to be, say, at Coronation of 1953. It's never, ever, ever going to have those enormous, enormous crowds again. I mean, I remember reading that, you know, the, crowd, the crowds would be 20, 20 people deep. And now, when I, even at uh, William and Kate's wedding, I remember thinking, you know, there's not that many crowds here because a lot of people are watching it on television or streaming it on their phones. Um, it, it's, it's celebrations of this sort are very different now. I agree. I was actually here for William and Kate's wedding. And I, uh, the thing that I, I looked at the most and actually reported on it for CBS was all the merchandising. All the commemorative plates and spoons and mugs and flags and 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 the funny thing was, of course, if you turn the plate over, it said "Made in China." <laughs> it did. Well, I don't know. I have. I mean, well, I believe you, but I haven't looked at any commemorative plates actually. 
I think I've been too busy, but I, I mean, I don't suppose it would say that right now, even if it was made in China. I don't know. That's, that's a very good point. <laughs> Ingrid, I, I, I've been, I have to admit it, I, I've been obsessed with The Crown since it first came on television. Um, and I'm not, you know, a, a royal watcher, so to speak, but I, I just thought it was such a well-done show. And for me, and, and being the journalist, I was particularly impressed with how they got the details right, the, the way the planes looked, the way the limos looked, the way the the Royal you know, the Britannia looked, um, the way that the the cars looked when they were on their you know trips around the Commonwealth, uh, the the clothing. Uh, my wife was also fascinated by this. She went back and Googled all the newspaper clippings from the time, and they actually matched the clothing quite well. Um, and I think part of that, at least, it leads up to the to the uh, Platinum Jubilee here with people fascinating with, with the whole story of the family. Well, people are fascinated with, with the family. Well, thank goodness they are, as far as I'm concerned. But in The Crown, of course, they paid a lot of people a lot of money to get a lot of things right. And they still got things wrong. But that always happens. You know, it, it, it's a very, very glossy show i suppose it's it's like a it's like a lifetime of it for all of us practically um i think when you're a sort of serious royal watcher like me you just have to re- keep looking at it and saying this is not a documentary and don't get annoyed if things aren't right this is not a documentary because i think the portrayal of some of the characters was pretty poor and very misleading but it 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 isn't a documentary. It is, it is something to give you a feel. And it's certainly, actually, I think it's done the monarchy a lot of favors because it's brought a little bit of how the monarchy works, the stresses that the, the family are under, the difficulties of, of being a member of the royal family. It's brought that globally to a lot of people that wouldn't have a clue or even be interested before. Well, the one thing that, that resonated with me and perhaps even with you as well is how the Queen defined the word service. Well, she comes from an era of where duty and service are all. It's not about you, the individual. It's about the industry or the institution of the monarchy as a whole. And it's about everybody in the family pulling together and, you know, you know, doing everything in a united way. It's not, look at me, aren't I gorgeous, aren't I the prettiest member of the family and aren't I doing well? It's nothing to do with that. It's completely the opposite. Although, let me share with you something that goes back to 1953. When she left West- Westminster Abbey uh, following her coronation, she was wearing, this is, ama- this is still amazing to me, the imperial state crown. And let me describe it. It's probably one of the most elaborate uh, pieces of, of royal regalia. And listen to this. Set with 2,868 diamonds, 17 sapphires, 11 emeralds, and 269 pearls. Okay, Ingrid, how much does that weigh? (laughs) (laughs) It weighs something like five pounds, I think. I'm not exactly... Is that correct? I don't know. I'm asking you. I mean... Yeah, I think it was... It's it's incredibly heavy, and uh, the Queen actually had to practice, you know, before the coronation, walking around with this crown on her head. Also, your balance, you can't move your head. And very, very, very much more recently, she was describing to someone called Alice de Ruse what it was like to wear the crown. And she, you, you can't bend your head forward because it sort of slips. And you've got to keep your head absolutely straight. So, I mean, it's not, it's not actually a lot of fun wearing that thing. And which is why I refuse to wear one. I, I, I just wanted to share that with you. <laughs> I, I, I won't wear one. But I think you're quite right, yes. <laughs> but given all of that, 
there, of course, is the, the there's the group that would that would say, you know, questioning the relevance of the monarchy, even at a time like this. Well, we have a, a, a surge of uh, republicanism in this country, which has never really, really taken off. I can't tell you the number of television programs I've done saying, do we need a monarchy? And it always comes back to, well, yes, we do, because we don't want a president from amongst any of our politicians. And I think I should think you sometimes feel the same. Um, we just, you know, we would rather have uh, a hereditary monarchy who have no power than some presidential sort of uh, person like, you know, one of our former prime ministers, Tony Blair, he was fairly presidential. And um, I, th- I think that we're better for that reason alone to stick with having a monarchy th- than trying to do anything else. Exactly. And speaking of the longevity of the monarchy, uh, Camilla has now have a, has a new title, doesn't she? She commit, commit, The Queen has actually said herself that Camilla will be will be queen consort when uh, the queen passes, you know, passes away uh, and Charles becomes king. Camilla will be queen consort, and uh, our current queen has made that very clear that that's what she would like to happen. And I think that's uh, a very good idea, rather than allowing things to drift. She's made a sort of firm statement there. My thanks to Ingrid. Victoria Mather doesn't mince words. Not when she was travel editor of Vanity Fair, and not now, as the correspondent for Airmail, run by her former Vanity Fair editor, Graydon Carter. And she's never hesitated to give her opinion on all things royal. And our conversation was no exception. Victoria, welcome back. Oh, Peter, how lovely to talk to you on this beautiful day in London. So let's talk about, you know, what this jubilee really means. Um, you and I have talked about the royals before. Uh, they still dominate the press. They still dominate the tabloids. They still dominate people who are not even monarchists. They're still fascinated, of course, helped in no uh, small part by uh, The Crown and other, uh, other shows of that ilk. By the way, I have to admit, in the interest of full disclosure, I was addicted to The Crown. Um, I was, in fact, um, you, you may laugh, but... I, I was looking for what you know where they did some sort of a you know dramatic uh, license in in sort of like skirting locations or or fashion or cars or planes, and every time they had a plane they got it right. Every time they had a car they got it right. Even the clothing they got it right. Um, so uh, you, you, I've, I've already bought into this, but as we are now celebrating this seventy year period where Queen Elizabeth from nineteen fifty two to now has sat as a singular monarch. Uh, what does all this mean to you? Well, it means a great deal to me. I mean, I've never... <clears throat> I was born in Queen Elizabeth's reign. I've never known another monarch. Um, and she is a symbol of continuity. We've never had a platinum jubilee before. Queen Victoria made a diamond jubilee, but not a platinum. Um, she's the longest reigning monarch in the world. And if she makes it through to April to 2024, she'll be the longest reigning monarch in history. Apart from that, she will outstrip the Sun King, Louis XIV of France. Wow. So it's continuity. It's also having a benign presence. 
as our head of state. Um, It is something that is of great comfort, I think, to the nation. It's certainly a comfort to me when I saw her make that fantastic broadcast um, during COVID. We will meet again. Um, There will be good times around the corner. And so so it has proved. Um, And I think she's a, a model of service. In a very selfish age, she has shown utter a complete integrity, unselfishness, and devotion to duty. You know, it's interesting to me, and, and you can laugh if you want, and you and I have laughed many times about something like this, but it was, I was reminded the other day that in her 70 years, uh, it's likely that she's never had to take out the trash, wash a dish, um, change the oil, although she's pretty good about a car. That, part, that, part, that much I know, she knows her cars. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's a completely different lifestyle. And the question then is, is she that removed from reality that she may not understand the, the way the world works these days? Oh, I don't think she's quite as removed as you think. I mean, bliss is not ever having terms of the dishwasher. I quite agree. But <clears throat> she has. I mean, if, uh, if you're staying at Balmoral and you go on a picnic with them, I mean, she always does the washing up. And there was a marvellous, I think it was, with, it was with Mrs. Thatcher, when Mrs. Thatcher went to stay at, um, at, the, uh, at Balmoral. And um, <clears throat> there was the sort of washing up after the picnic and getting everything sorted again. Nothing's worse than um, a picnic, you know, a dirty picnic. Honestly, that's sort of thing you really want to leave behind in the trash. Um, but uh, Mrs. Thatcher said, I'll wash. Um, and uh, uh, had some, like a dry man. And Green said, no, I'll wash and you'll dry. <laughs> <laughs> and thrust a tea towel at her. <laughs> but uh, so, I mean, to a certain extent, you could say that's a bit Marie Antoinette, you know, it's playing playing at being a shepherdess in the Petit Jean. But um, I think that she's quite, she is pretty well aware of the trials and tribulations of those who live a perfectly ordinary life. Um, she, makes, she makes herself aware of them because it matters to her. And I think this unique occasion, which we will never see again, um, in any of our lifetimes, um, is to celebrate her actual care for her subject. She does mind, you know, and she's a very kind woman. She's mind. She's very funny too, uh, but she minds. She cares. And the question then, of course, becomes, and I say this about the entire monarchy: How do they stay relevant? Very good question, Peter. Uh, very, very good question. How do they... I mean, the royal family has been, in throughout the ages, has been a subject at times of scandal, um, of disaster, of war, um, of civil war, um, and they've always come through it, but they didn't live in the age of the internet. They didn't live in the age of social media. And I think that's probably the biggest danger. 
um, because everything is so instant. Um, and the, I mean, criticism can roll up like a sort of like tumbleweed and blow down the street within seconds. Um, I think that while the queen, the queen is still with us, um, she will remain relevant because she is an icon. Um, as Barack Obama said, you know, she's absolutely a constant in a changing world. And she has, by the way, swung with the changes extraordinarily well. She's not stupid. She's um, very well informed. She's number... When those red boxes arrive at Buckingham Palace, she's known as number one reader. And she sees everything from the most sensitive military intelligence, you know, to um, communications with the Foreign Office, she, and, and, of course, government papers. She sees everything. Um, and she's trained for this role since she was a young girl. Um, and she has never, ever um, shirked it all shirts that duty. Those boxes go with her everywhere. Um, and I think that when it comes down to um, King Charles and later King William, it is going to be a great deal more difficult because they have got to deal with um, a, a modern world in a very different way to the Queen. The Queen has had her challenges, ranging, I mean, I'm going to name a few, of course, the Princess Diana divorce, and then, of course, her death, um, Harry and Meghan, more recently, uh, Prince Andrew. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are fractures in this, in this monarchy, and still it's together. Yes, still it is together. Um, and it is in large part due to the dignity of the Queen. But she can also be quite ruthless. She doesn't like confrontation. Um, and would much prefer to ostrich about it, put her head in the sand. But she has to face it. She has faced it, as she has with Prince Andrew, her beloved son. She does, you know, he is her son. She loves him. But she's had to do what she's had to do, which is basically erase him from public life. Yep. It is un very unfortunate, I feel, that um, the Queen, who is an intelligent woman, um, you know, she's multilingual, <coughs> fluent in French, um, <clears throat> highly educated, but she's had um, two very stupid children. <laughs> um, I mean, Princess Anne is really the monarch, the best king we'll never have. Uh, she really has. I'm afraid and Prince, and Prince Edward's a plotter. I mean, I mean, the the the, um, the European royals always complain that they send invitations to weddings and royal you know, coronations and whatever to the Queen and to the British royal family. And what do we get? They say, we get Prince Edward. <laughs> 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 but I think <laughs> but I think Catherine is marvellous. Um, and that the children are absolutely divine. Nothing, nothing makes me happier than seeing a picture of Princess Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me back up. Well, let me back and, up for a second. I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Camilla. Well, she's a good egg, as we say. Um, she is charming. She's funny. She's warm. And um, whether or not 
uh, <clears throat> you uh, what you think about her part in <clears throat> the marriage between Charles and Diana. What she has done is make um, a petulant, weak man happy. So he's not so petulant, and he's a great deal stronger. He's not unintelligent, actually. I tell you what I admire Prince Charles for, is that he's made a cracking success of a non-job. <laughs> his work as Prince of Wales for the environment and for the Prince's Trust, which has benefited many, many people, many young people, um, and all sorts of other things, horticulture, all sorts of other things, <clears throat> which have actually proved to be very prescient, particularly his eco-credentials. So, good on him. And um, I think he'll be... Um, well, it'll be a short reign, but it'll be much sweeter for having Camilla as queen. And she bloody deserves it, too. She was once described as the laziest woman in England. And by golly, she stepped up to the plate. Although, of course... The thing is, she's it, it, literate. I, I was going to say, if you talk about, you said a short <laughs> reign, you know, the Queen Mother died at, what, 102? Uh, uh, you know, that's right. Yeah, uh, Queen Elizabeth is ninety six. Prince Charles has got to be what seventy two or seventy three. Um, so he will not be celebrating a platinum jubilee. He won't even be celebrating a silver jubilee. <laughs> Twenty five years. Now, Victoria, I have to I have to bring up something else. You once described Meghan Markle as five clicks up from trailer trash. Care to explain? Well, I was rather ahead of the curve on my criticism of um, the Duchess of Sussex, because at that particular point, um, there was this great warmth, really. So there was a lingering warmth from the wedding. My daughter was one um, fantastically excited about her arrival within the royal family, um, and uh, she had everything going for her, absolutely everything. And I think the difficulty was that the worm turned because, unlike the Queen, who's the model of beauty, um, Meghan Markle did not realise that it's a bit of a slog being a member of the royal family. It's royalty, not celebrity. You have to go and cut a ribbon um, and in Rotherham, um, Dundee. I mean, really dreary places. And it would be like going to Pittsburgh. And you know, you can't always have the glamorous gigs. Um, you have, and you are on parade, and you are always going to be, <clears throat> I'm afraid, seconds behind Prince William because Prince William is heir to the throne. And I think she just actually couldn't stand the idea of spending the rest of her life looking at the Duchess of Cambridge's back, always being in the second row. My thanks to Victoria to Ingrid Seward, and to Simon Calder. And my thanks to you for listening to this Ion Travel podcast. For more conversations with the world's leaders in travel, as well as answers to your travel questions, be sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. And for all the breaking travel news, royal or otherwise, just log on to petergreenberg.com. The Ion Travel Podcast is produced by Amanda Morris and Anthony Protis Chung. For more content from Peter Greenberg and the Ion Travel team, visit petergreenberg.com. Ion Travel is a production of CBS News Radio.
If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Get one of the most successful broadcasts in television history on your schedule with the 60 Minutes Podcast. Hard-hitting investigative reports, news, and culture maker interviews, and in-depth profiles are waiting for you in every episode. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.